to continue to hunt for this treasure. Check out all the photos we're going to continue to post on this segment um, on our Instagram. It's at Treasure Podcast. Also, if you have any personal treasure, uh, feel free to send us an email at apodcasttreasure at gmail.com. We love hearing your personal stories. Um, We'll put those in our listener treasure trove. And in the future, your story could be featured on one of our episodes. Find us on Twitter. We're not we're not sure about the Twitterverse yes, but yet we're trying. It's we're at, trying our best <laughs> at the Treasure Pod on Twitter. And if you want to send us some actual gold, uh, send some our way at Treasure Pod on PayPal. Thanks, guys. Yes, thank you. Okay, so let's talk about our personal treasures. You go first. Okay. My personal treasure is um, all I can think about since it's really okay. I talked to you in the last 24 hours. Last night we recorded part one. This is part mm-hmm, two. Mm-hmm. I've not been able to get out of my head mypetchicken.com. <laughs> I have like okay. 48. I was so, <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, if she is going to tell me right now that she has ordered six chickens. I am going to break. No, I have like 48 chickens in my basket and I want them all. (laughs) I can't have, well, and we're getting ready to move. So it's like, I'm so, I'm stuck in this tension of like wanting so many chickens, the Easter eggers and the olive eggers. And, um, and I just can't have them because we're going to have to pick up and move. I know, but, um, having, I'm serious. If you just like, narrow it down to not 48 just a few (laughs) you will love them and adrian will love them too and because at the beginning when they're babies they have to like live in a baby pool like that's that's the best way to do it or we also had like a gigantic rubbermaid like bucket thing that we got from home depot it was like all black but it's like super tall oh yeah, Um, yeah and it's really big yeah 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 they thrived in there, but then a baby pool just became, you know, better throughout the, you know, when they got a little bit bigger. And y'all will just love seeing how much they grow. They aren't hard to take care of. And I wanted, I felt like I said this um, yesterday when we talked, but you can make or buy a chicken house that they go into and then you can all, like, it's on wheels. And you can move it oh. around your yard. Okay. And it that fertilizes lady. your yard. Yes. The homesteader lady that I am obsessed with, Melissa Norris, she had a video the other day where mm-hmm. she hooked up her four-wheeler to the chicken coop thing and just tilted it back on its wheels. And that's exactly what she said she did. She And, uh, you know, they get fresh spaces to eat constantly. And I think it's like cleaner for them too, and things and like that. You, and your yeah. grass doesn't die. Yeah, I love it. That. Fertilizes your yard. Yes, it's very economical. You can put your chicken house on wheels. It's actually called a chicken trailer. I now ah okay. I'm um, remembering, but bougie. Yes, it's very amazing. And you, if you just get chickens somehow, 
uh, a chicken home will come to you <laughs> because it has to. I learned that, that if you just order chickens in the mail, they just come and then um, your husband somehow has to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> deal with the rest of the situation. <laughs> Sorry, husbands out there. Or wives, if um, we have some husband chicken lovers, just order the chickens and the house will come. <laughs> Moral of the story. What about your? What about yours? Okay, so my <laughs> personal treasure is that today, the Johnny Depp trial versus Amber Heard is finally over. I've been yes. obsessively watching it. I don't know why. But I now feel as if I should be a licensed lawyer in all of the states. (laughs) I have heard so many lawyers talk about it. Like I listen to these YouTube streams with like all these lawyers. It's called LawTube. I would definitely go check it out. But they finally all rest like they did their closing statements And I'm excited to hear the verdict. I feel so bad for the jury. I cannot imagine doing this for that long. Six, you know, I mean, they've been in there for probably six weeks. They did have like, they had a little, like a week off or something. I don't know why that happened. But yeah, they had a week off. Hmm. So like it's been seven weeks that they have just dedicated their lives Number one, two, it is an important case with like the Me Too movement, whatever. I'm not going to give my opinions, but also just like, you know, listening to these millionaires fight about dumb stuff that to peasant people seems ridiculous. Like to normal people seems (laughs) like, okay, so he pushed down like racks of your clothes and your shoes in one of the penthouses that you had that was and this penthouse yeah. was dedicated for your clothes you you didn't live in that yeah. you lived in another penthouse this your clothes lived in this penthouse like it was your closet penthouse closet yeah, yeah. penthouse closet like or like he i want to push down your clothes day, her, yeah <laughs> He said the other day she would drink like two bottles of wine, of a certain wine by herself, and people were looking it up and they're like, oh my goodness, it's $500 a bottle. Like that's $1,000 a night, like nothing. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What that's could I 100% do with $1,000 a day. I would buy an ATV and a chicken trailer. Yeah. And all we want are chicken trailers. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please donate to us the weekend. I know. <laughs> we want chicken trailers. But um okay everybody, so are we ready to get back into our story? Let's do it. I'm so excited to hear about these czars. I know. Okay, so just to remind everyone, we're talking about the lost imperial Fabergé eggs. Made for the Russian imperial family, uh, the emperor, the empress. Yes, royal family. Well, we left off with the death of Tsar Alexander III and his son Nicholas II, Mm -hmm. 
who was named after Alexander's beloved brother, becoming the Tsar of Russia with his wife Alexandra at his side. Let's dive back in to the treasure with another real gem in this story, (laughs) the love story of Nicholas and Alexandra. I love it. I know. Isn't this exciting? Nicholas, obviously being the son of Alexander III and Dagmar, a.k.a. Maria Fedorovna. And then Alexandra was the daughter of Princess Alice of the United Kingdom and Louis IV, Grand Duke of Hesse. So these people have a very confusing family tree. We might do a mini episode on it just to kind of get deeper into it because we cannot go into that right now. So they were second cousins on one side and then third cousins on the other side. What? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> AKA just gross, okay. <laughs> yeah, I I literally have written which is like uh and seems bad. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't even know how to Like, how does one explain that? So it's just, they're pretty closely related, but like also not really. It's weird. So anyways, they met each other at a wedding when they were both like super young. Uh, Nicholas was 16 and Alexandra was 12. And they actually really like fell for each other super naturally. Like they weren't even flirting. They just kind of like you know, went out and talked to each other, whatever, which was like, oh my gosh, we're madly in love at that point. Yes. Yeah. So after years and years and years of writing letters to each other. So I just want to make everyone clear that she was much older than 12 when they got married. I think that she was 19, okay. actually. Their letter writing turned into something more serious. And in Nicholas's diary, he wrote, It is my dream to one day marry Alex H. Aww. I have loved her for a long time, but more deeply and strongly since 1889 when she spent these six weeks in Petersburg. So, she came to Russia and visited, oh and that is so cute. And like you said last time, totally unheard of for royal families to authentically know, right? fall in love with their spouse in all these arranged marriage type things. 100%. Alexandra's grandmother was Queen Victoria, who actually, quite surprisingly, really enjoyed Alexandra because Queen Victoria was known for being um how do we say harsh and terrible she was just not a kind mother there are multiple letters of her talking terribly about all of her children but she really liked alexandra her granddaughter which is weird but uh okay so she thought she was so beautiful and she actually was i will show y'all a picture of her in a minute when the thought of nicholas being allowed to marry alexandra arose and him being the heir to the russian throne and then the queen could see alexandra's just sheer excitement over the idea 
that they would get be able to get married, Queen Victoria gave the okay, and the marriage was a go. Hooray! Oh, that's awesome. I know. Like, hooray for real love. Yes. And just the fact that Alexander III and Princess Dagmar, they really loved each other. And then we have another, you know, like the next dynasty that they really love each other as well. It's it, it's literally untold. So it's just pretty amazing. Yeah. I love, too, that quote where it's like, if you want to change the culture, change the homes. And so I feel like, you know, whatever kids see, they're likely to replicate into adulthood. And so it's like, if he sees his mom and dad just so in love, it's like, why would I settle for just not, you know? 100%. I'm so happy for them. 100%. I totally agree. And I really do think that these, these stories of, like, real love add to the treasure of the Fabergé eggs. Yes. Because they were created out of love. Like, that's why we even have Fabergé eggs. I mean, if Tsar Alexander III and, like, didn't love his wife, we wouldn't have these at all. Like, he wouldn't have thought to even make them. So it just really does add a lot to the story. And I just think it makes it that much sweeter. Okay, so here, I will show you some photos of Alexandra and Nicholas. Oh, they're so sweet. She is beautiful. Wow. Yes, and she has dark blue eyes, blonde hair, which is quite rare for um, that, I don't know, like her lineage or whatever. But yeah, there are a lot of people that say that. But I Hmm. have another quote that just kind of reinstates this love. And Kristen, I want you to read it. Yay. Okay. This is a quote by Empress Alexandra Fedorovna. Our love for each other may be sincere and deep on sunny days, but it is never as strong as on days of suffering and sorrow when all the previously hidden richness of the soul is revealed. Oh my goodness. To make that better yet, uh, Nicholas always called Alexandra Sunny. Aww. Yeah, as a pet name. So Her little nickname from him. Yeah, exactly. Like a little pet name is Sunny. But most people called her um, Alex, which I probably will call her like throughout this thing. Okay. On to the eggs, because this is a treasure podcast, and that is what we're here for, people. As I said in the last episode, upon the death of his father, Nicholas continued the tradition of coming up with ideas and having the imperial Fabergé eggs made for his mother, who he loved very dearly. And he also began having them made for his dear wife, Alex. So now, each year, we have two eggs and two surprises. Okay. It bolsters the amount of missing (laughs) and lost items that we still need to find. In 1995, the first egg that Nicholas had made for his wife is called the Rosebud Egg. And... You can go to number 12. Oh, wow. This is beautiful. Kristen, describe the egg that you are seeing. Okay. It is 
an egg shape. It's red with gold, like little wreaths and gold garland kind of. It looks very floral. And it's on a golden pedestal and very, it does look very royal, like royalty. Um, is this yes. bud on the side the surprise that's inside of it? Yes, it is oh. one of the surprises. Oh, more than one. Okay, so this is, oh, I yes. hope it's another nesting doll type thing. So next to it, there's... It is. Yay! Yeah, this is the first egg that Nicholas made for his wife. And taking direction from his father, this beautiful red egg contains a yellow rosebud and inside of the rosebud contained an imperial crown ring adorned with rubies and a massive ruby pendant necklace, which interestingly enough, are also missing just like the surprises from Dagmar's first egg. Oh my gosh. Remember the first hint? Yes. Yep. The ring and the yeah. The ring mm-hmm. and the yep. and the pendant necklace, all rubies, all missing. Which is like someone has them. I feel like what they're is together happening? somewhere. So now like we have somebody has those together, I'm sure. No, no. one would throw no. them out in Mm-mm. the trash. Mm-mm. Like ugh. so now Nicholas is making or is having two eggs made each year. And Kristen, since we've found the third imperial egg, remember that blue one that I showed you? Yes, that looked like a... This is the one that reminds us of Harry Potter. Yes, exactly. The Horcruxes. This one is actually called the Blue Serpent Clock Egg. And was given to his mother. And the surprise Hmm. is a clock that's inside of it. So it was kind of lost, but really just renamed. Gotcha. So then in 1896, Kristen, this is one of the sweetest eggs in my personal opinion. And it was given to Alex. I just have to show you this egg because... Like, nothing's missing from it there. It's just a treasure in and of itself. It's so sweet. In itself. It's, yeah, it's called the rock crystal egg. So this egg is clear. It's also known as the revolving miniatures egg. Aptly so, because inside are 12 miniature paintings by a Danish painter named Zengraf. The egg stand is embedded with emeralds and on top, like adorned atop of this egg, is a huge emerald. It's actually the biggest stone that Fabergé used in any of the eggs. Wow. Yes. The surprise is that upon like depressing the emerald down and turning, the portraits inside move like pages of a book. It's really kind of hard to explain, oh so I goodness. do have a video for you. And Yay. I love videos. Okay. I know. So this video is from the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, where the egg currently resides. Huh. And while you're watching the video, I will be explaining, like, or kind of listing off where these 12 portraits like the location of the 12 portraits honestly i implore 
everyone who is listening to go look at our Instagram because you must see these or go into the description below and click on this link. It is so cool to just look at. I don't know. It's just such a cool idea. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And these paintings are so tiny and have so much detail. And the egg is glass. I know. So you started the video? Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. While you're watching that, I'm going to tell you where these locations are. Okay. So one is called New Palace Darmstead, which is the palace where the princess was born, like Princess Alex or Alexandra. Aww. The next is a hunting chateau, Kranestein, Kranestein in Hesse, which was a favorite summer residence of the Empress's youth. And then there's Balmoral Castle in Scotland, a childhood holiday destination of Alexandra, owned by her grandmother, Queen Victoria. And then there's Coburg Fortress in Coburg, the palace where Nicholas and Alexandra were engaged to be married during the wedding of Alexandra's brother, Ernie. Then they had Wolf's Garden, a hunting lodge that Alexandra's family visited as a child. Windsor Castle near London, England, a residence of the Queen Victoria where Alexandra lived and visited as a child. There's Cathart House, which is a boarding house where Alexandra stayed. This is a very confusing description. It says... While taking the baths. What? B-A-T-H-S. Like, and I reread this hmm. 5,000 times. I tried to look this up. Um, in Harrogate, where <laughs> she became the godmother to the just-born Allen twins. So I have no idea what any of this means. Whatever happened at Hathgate House stays at Hath, at Cathgate House, whatever. <laughs> so we're just very confused about that. Okay. And then there's a um, Charles Rosno Coburg, a site where Nicholas and Alexandra vid- visited the day after their engagement. And then Osborne House on Isle of Wight, the site of Nicholas's visit to see Alexandra while they were engaged. The Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, where they got married. And then... Anikov Palace, St. Petersburg, the residence of Maria Fedorovna, where Alexandra spent her first year in Russia, and then the Alexander Palace, which is the imperial family's favorite winter residence. Wow. These are just beautiful. This is, I've, I know, continued to rewind this video. <laughs> I just really love that. If there was any confusion before, like the czars, Alexander III and Nicholas II, they both really put a lot of thought into these eggs, which for me, really, honestly, it, it makes them more valuable to me that they were really thought about. Imagine getting a gift like that today, like even amidst all the technology stuff. Like, I would way rather have something like this than, like, the newest iPhone. You know what I mean? It's just I know. Incredible. And, like, 
he had the wherewithal to think about all the places that were important to her and all that kind of stuff. So Kristen, do you think that you would be able to kind of explain to our audience how these pictures move around in this egg? Okay, yes. So there's the emerald at the top is connected to a vertical rod that goes from the top of the egg all the way through to the bottom. And if you press down on the emerald top and turn it, like Riley said, there's there's the tiniest little uh, hook. It's almost like a little arm. Um, so you press it down and you can kind of like scoot the page over, like you're turning the page with that little arm. Then you lift it back up above the books, spin it just a bit to the next page, push it down and scoot it over. So it's like you're you're just guiding these little pages to turn with that little arm inside the egg. It's just, it's absolutely magnificent. I agree. Um, I mean, I really love the elephant that we had last mm. episode. But yes. this one just... And the elephant, too, was so thoughtful. It was such a good idea, and it was probably so just, like, jaw-droppingly amazing. But this one is just so heartfelt. And I don't know. You can just kind of tell. So I love this one. I think it's so cool. And so this the same year that Alexandra got this egg, the rock crystal egg, the Dowager Empress received an egg named the 12 monogrammed egg, hmm. which will be number 14. Okay. And the surprise inside is missing, Ooh. which should be 12 miniature paintings of Alexander III. And Kristen, you know that I am constantly researching these things. Yes. And... When I was researching this this egg, I found a fascinating website uh, called Fabergé Discoveries, and it it's written by a couple who have been engulfed by the mystery of the imperial eggs for years. Awesome. And I've reached out to them to be on the podcast <gasps> and have actually received a reply. <gasps> so we may be able to get them on here. What? Riley, what? What? what they say in their reply? I know. Um, They said that they would just like to hear more about us and all this kind of stuff. But, like, they actually replied. So I was like, oh. I'm like the queen. I know. The queen. Like, come on. <laughs> their website is fascinating. A while ago, they like discover like they didn't discover the book, but they were searching in this book called Carl Fabergé Goldsmith to the Imperial Court of Russia, which has a description with the dimensions of the surprise, which was intended to be in the 12 monogrammed hmm. egg. So their son built the like a replica of what it just the the surprise <gasps> yes out of legos no way yes and they were able to actually set this lego thing that their son made into the egg and it fits perfectly so you can see the next pictures yes. and I will definitely upload these pictures for you. 
It's a photo of literally the Legos inside of the actual egg and the description that was in this book. This is just so cool. Yeah, ridiculous. And so these are all paintings that were going to be portraits, like 12 portraits of her. They were going to be 12 portraits of her deceased husband. So of Alexander III. For her, yes. Oh. Um, oh because oh, she really goodness. never got wow. over his death. If Well, maybe if I were her, I would have taken that to my grave. 100% so maybe it's could in her be. grave. I know. I literally would have taken that to my grave with me. Oh, my gosh. Like, they have discovered some of the most amazing things. We might have to go look at this website right now, but um, so that I can actually say it um, accurately. But, like, they found a picture we can we can definitely do that because yeah. they found a picture. They think that they found two of the treasures on hmm. their person and they're like at a racetrack or something. So it kind of shows that they actually used and loved these. What? Oh, it wasn't just like, oh, thanks for my present and like put it away in the, mm-hmm. which makes it even more special that it was like incorporated in their everyday life. I know. That's so sweet. It kind of makes me think that it makes more sense that a lot of the um, the surprises yeah. are yep. missing. Yep. You know what I mean? Because exactly. And especially if they're, I feel like if they, if they went missing while they were alive, they would have had some kind of record or like. I don't know, a, a missing poster of it or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like if they just got like stolen from the palace. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> it, it really is super interesting to see that they actually were using these. And also that Fabergé was making... like was making stuff for other people there are multiple other just treasures that other royal families have that's incredible i think it was king george the fifth his mistress gave him a cigarette box that was made by fabergé it is literally the most beautiful thing i've ever seen it is wrapped in enamel. Is this the serpent one that you were telling me about? Yes, yeah, the yeah, serpent yeah. one. I'm like obsessed with it. I can't get over it. I need, let me actually look that up right now. We will definitely save a picture and add it to the Instagram because everyone needs to see this. It is one of the most beautiful pieces of enamel that I've ever seen. And not only that, but we know that. King George actually used it all the time. And the fact that this enamel is not cracked or broken or even there's a scratch on the back of it, but it looks pristine. There's a tab just called Fabergé enamel. And I am blown away, blown away at he the, kind of came up with the or he the or his guild came up with the way to use enamel in this way and make it look like this and actually making and doing enamel is extremely wow. hard 
And so the next egg, we're skipping some eggs right now, even though everyone should go back and look at the other eggs because they are literally incredible, jaw-dropping, amazing. We love them. But we are focused on treasure here because this is the treasure podcast. So the next egg that is missing is one that was presented to Alexandra in 1897 and it's called the mauve egg the mauve egg the surprise is surprisingly still around and i have a picture of that so Kristen can see that it's so strange that the surprise is around and not the egg and it bothers me Okay, surprise and mauve egg. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is really cool. Oh my goodness. Look at this. It's like a clover. It is. Almost, but it's, what is it, hearts? A heart. Yeah, it's a clover that folds up into a heart. And then when you open it, these portrait, there are portraits on each side of the three leaf clover and they're of Nicholas, Alexandra, and their first baby, who is named, she's the Grand Duchess Olga. Olga's a terrible name, but um, she's she turns out to be absolutely beautiful, so whatever. So yeah, that's the only evidence we have of that egg. This is very beautiful. You like it? I do. I think it's very... It does look kind of Irish to me. I know that it's a clover, but... Also, I don't know what they mean by a mauve egg. Like, mauve is like the... Yeah, is there like another meaning of mauve? I I was wondering that. I couldn't find one. But mauve is just like the most... Yeah. It reminds me of Squidward's face. (laughs) That's so true. I don't know why they just call it the mauve egg. And there's no other information about it at all. So no one has any idea what it looks like. Okay, so we are going to skip over some more eggs now. And we are going to go to 1903 and get to our next missing egg. And we have evidence that this egg is still out there. This is called the Royal Danish Egg. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. What is this, a drawing of it? It's it's either a drawing or like a picture. I couldn't decide. But in 1903, they definitely had cameras because they took pictures of the... Um, of oh, those right. curio cabinets in 1902. Yes. So I don't know what this is. Like the, the is, middle but, of okay. it. The egg and the top part of the stand look like a photograph, but the very top of the egg and the very bottom of the egg look like draw. Oh, you know what may have happened? The camera frame may have cut off like the top of the egg. See how there's like that white tinted background? They might have had to go back 100%. in and sketch in the parts that were missing from the photograph that like got cropped out of the frame. Oh Maybe. my gosh, Kristen, you are making this make so much more sense to me. Everybody, please go look at our Instagram and 
I will post it on Twitter if I ever figure out how to do that um, to see what we're talking about because she is describing this absolutely just like chef's kiss perfectly. I could not figure this out for the life of me. But because, yes, some of it looks like a picture and the other part doesn't. So I was just really confused. Um, thank you yeah, that's quite so much for that. Bizarre. But it is I know. stunning. It's. Do you want me to describe it? 100%. And uh, also, this is called the Royal Danish Egg. The Royal Danish Egg. Okay. So I see a royal crown on the on the egg. It looks like there's a guy on the top, like a man or something up top. Is that what that is with an arm? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, highly ornate. There's like garland and intricate like lattice pattern on the very top. And then all, what are those lions holding up the egg on this very, it is so ornate, like this intricately... I'm assuming all this is gold, like the others. It's it's a black and white image, either photograph, photograph and or drawing. Um, but it's beautiful. It's got like a really big. I don't know if that's an M. Is that an M in the middle, like a an initial M, or is that just a design? You think in that oval? I don't know if it's an M because I don't know the last. Okay, so. Oh, well, they don't even have the same alphabet that we do, Russians. Uh, Yeah. So, Kristen, you are so right about this egg. The miniatures of the late king of Denmark and his queen are framed as the surprise feature in this imperial egg. The outer surface is actually in light blue and white enamel ornaments in gold and precious stones. On the top are the immoral beings of the Danish royal family, and it is supported by Danish heraldic lions. Hmm. Cool. And, yeah, this yeah, this is one of the largest Fabergé eggs. It's over nine inches tall, and the egg is crowned by the symbol of Denmark's ancient order of the elephant which we are now very aware of. I like how it's always like bringing, you know, Denmark into the whole thing. And I feel like, yes. Yeah. I feel like both Alexander the third and then his son, Nicholas, they both try to bring in memories and things like that for their wives. And then, you know, for Nicholas, for his mom. Um, which is also extremely important. Yes. And I don't know about like Russian culture historically, but I know like other places, um, it would be like, oh, you're the queen. Like your only job is just to bear sons and that's it. Like they could have cared less about your identity or your cares or anything that you held near and dear. And it's just so sweet that even though she's like the, the queen, or whatever you call them, the czar is Tsarina. <laughs> the czar um, He still wants her to have like that that piece. Yeah, <laughs> the czar. <laughs> um, he still wants her to have like her identity. So the next lost egg that 
I'm going to talk to you about is the Alexander III commemorative egg. And we have a picture of it. The surprise was supposed to be a golden bust of Alexander III, and it was presented to Maria Fedorovna, or Fedorovna. And there is a picture of it that you can see on your thing. It should be on 17. Okay. In like um. Oh, wow. 17. Yeah. It kind of looks similar. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It, I can't tell if this is a drawing or a photograph either. I think this is a drawing. I do yeah. too. And there is like literally no information about this egg. Everyone is confused. Like, wow. There's no information it. about it. So this one is also missing. Well, this one does look similar. Mm, but it is very extravagant. Yes, it's it's got like these wreath looking elements on it. It it's beautifully divided into like this middle section, almost like a ribbon that goes around the middle with um like diamonds that are just packed with these like floor is that a person in there? Is it like a woman gardening? No, that's not a woman. But it kind of looks like it. <laughs> Listen, you can know. find anyway, literally anything um, in these. Easter eggs in the Easter eggs. Exactly. So she, I mean, he, Fabergé, put um, so much detail on all these little flowers. Is this maybe the most simplistic pedestal we've seen? It's just an open, open bottom with like upside down heart designs kind of. I noticed that as well. The pedestals get simpler and simpler as we go along in the story because I think – I well, the first one yeah. wasn't even presented with a pedestal. And so I think that they – when they started doing it, they were like making these really opulent pedestals yeah. because it's an egg. Yeah. It can't just sit down normally. So they realized they had to make these pedestals and then – once the egg started getting like super in depth, I think they were trying to make the pedestals like kind of more yeah. skinny, you know, like, like not so as like not to don't look the at the egg. pedestals. And that's why a mm. lot of the pedestals are lost. Wow. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do wholeheartedly. I think I prefer this, though, like the the simplistic little pedestal because your eye really is just drawn to this beautiful egg. It's not as overwhelming. Oh, yes. It doesn't look tacky. Not that Fabergé could ever be really <laughs> I tacky. I totally know what you mean. It's like sometimes less is exactly. more. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when yeah. you're trying to display like this work of art that you've been working on for probably over a year. Yeah. And, and then at the beginning yeah. of this or, you know, at the middle of this, you had to start making two each year with two surprises inside. <laughs> so it's like. I just cannot imagine the stress that was placed on yes. these people. Okay, so we have gone through basically all of the eggs that I ever want to talk about again. No, I'm just kidding. These really are my favorite treasures ever. They're what started my love for treasures, I'm pretty sure. So I will be looking into these forever. But I do want to just go through a list of what 
our crewmates are looking for. So the 1886 hen egg with sapphire. We all remember imagining that cute hen having that little sapphire egg in her beak. We love that. We are looking for it. Love it. The cherub with the chariot. I love it. The reflection (laughs) egg. (laughs) Yes. And then the necessary egg, which we're very confused about. And then the mauve egg, which come up with a better name for an egg. (laughs) The royal Danish egg. And then the Alexander III commemorative egg. Okay, so then there are 10 missing surprises. So we are missing from the 1885 first hen egg and the 1895 rosebug egg, the crown and the ruby egg pendant from both of the Tsarina's first eggs so from Dagmar's first egg and from Alexandra's first egg which I find like kind of yeah I do too I feel like somebody came in and saw what they were and like took them for themselves somehow which I feel like there was a reason what I feel like yeah yeah, this is what I feel like is going to happen me and you are going to go to some estate sale and it's just going to be fate that we're strolling through. <laughs> we're just strolling through and we happen to see like two ruby rings and two ruby pendants. And we're like, hmm, let's just buy these for like 10 bucks. And we run out of there. And then it's like imperial. It's the imperial yes. missing pieces. Can you oh imagine that? Oh my gosh. I would absolutely love that. Also having a crown like the imperial crown at like on a ring is like literally dreams coming true for me. Yes. I would wear that everywhere. I'm just like I love crowns. I this is just like everything for me. And yes, I totally agree. I mean, also, if you find a crown made of diamonds and rubies on a ring, you're yeah. not going to throw it away. No. Like, that's what I feel like about a ton of these treasures that we talk about, like yeah. uh, the paintings and things that we talk about, too. Like, people aren't just going to be like, oh, look at this crapola. Yeah, I'm exactly. throwing it out. Like, <laughs> That's so true. I like, think it's really on. important, no. too, for us to go treasure hunting with that mindset. Like, okay, where would these things maybe be if it's not... It's not, I don't think it's just going to be like at Goodwill, which is our national thrift type store in America. (laughs) Yes. Um, If one does not know. Yes. Right. Another thing I want to mention is if you go in there with a mindset that whatever kind of speaks to you. Yeah. Is treasure. Yeah. Then it probably is. Even if it's not these, you know, the treasures we're talking about right now. But it might be a treasure that we talk about in two weeks or, you know, that we've been looking for for this long. Like, I have a list of things that I look for when I go to um, estate sales. And I don't know. I think that everyone can kind of find their treasure. Like we were saying, a lot of these in their time. um, came with such a, a lot of these designs, obviously, that the men had made for their wives, 
from Fabergé had these deeply meaningful, uh, you know, sentimental attachments embedded in the piece. And so I'm like, if I went, say we did go to an estate sale and some old lady is there telling me about, you know, something she had from when she was a little girl and just totally paints this picture for us in our head of like a totally different time, like when she saw her first airplane or, or didn't have electricity yet or a fridge, like that would be just as special to <laughs> or me a almost. Phone. Yeah. Like just knowing exactly. the story behind something sometimes makes it valuable in itself, you know? So. Exactly. And I think that that is what makes treasures. I think that that's why the love story yeah. feels so special to me because it really does make this so much more just scrumptious, yeah. just valuable. And they were made out of love. Um, there are actually like written documents that are from Alexander III. I haven't seen any from Nicholas, but obviously I know that he did the same thing. But from Alexander III in the ar- his archives, like telling Fabergé exactly what he wanted for his wife. That's so awesome. We haven't even we didn't even talk about like the most famous imperial egg, the 1997 coronation egg. I have not shown you a picture of that, but there is an emerald pendant which apparently is missing from inside of the what Cinderella drives off in. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like pretty fabulous. And apparently there was supposed to be an emerald pendant in there, but there's not a lot of evidence to that. I think that maybe just the coach in and of itself may have been the surprise. There's one called the Madonna Lily Clock Egg. There's supposed to be a ruby pendant. We aren't sure about that one. And then in 1900, there is the Cockerel Egg, which is a clock, literally. And at the top, you can like press the top open and then a little chicken spins around oh on the my top. Gosh. <laughs> like a cuckoo clock. That's so cute. Yeah, it says the surprise that's missing is a pearl decorating the swag of the dial. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, so I don't really think that anything is missing from that. Maybe a pearl fell out. We have the clover leaf egg. We've already talked about that. And then there's another egg that's called the Empire Nephrity egg. And it closes and opens like this. And this one is hard to talk about. Unfortunately. Wait, time out for reference to the listeners because they couldn't see you. It's like what side to side like doors opening over like the face. Oh, oh, I, oh, yeah. No, you're totally right. They cannot see me. It, It's a hard one to talk about because it is such an egregious act of... Like, but, like, school, like, school bus. Kind doors. of, but they, mm, maybe more like two doors that open to, like, a patio. Like, just, like, opening okay. doors in the middle, close to school bus. They don't fold back, but... There's like this egg in the middle. Somebody somewhere 
painted over the original painting that was inside of this egg. Which is just an egregious act that cannot be forgiven, in my opinion. I'm sorry. That's horrific. I've painted over paintings, but they were obviously prints from the thrift store. But if I saw an actual, like, oil painting, I wouldn't... I just... And all the ones that we've seen so far are, like, works of art. Like, I just, we've already talked about this in our other Salvador Mundi episode. Like, just, just exactly. don't. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Please. <sighs> this is a public service announcement, people. Do not paint over any, like, things that you find that you're like, hmm, this is in an emerald egg. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't paint over this image the original image was of olga so the first daughter and then their son peter now there is another painting in there of the czar and the czarina and no one knows where this painting came from they've done scans on it it's a really weird story they cannot even see the underlying image underneath of painting that is now on there but it, it's definitely a, a painting that was painted on there recently wow so like whoever did that it's probably still alive and well out there please do not subscribe to our podcast <laughs> they are the only people who like are banned they're like the number one people who are not allowed to subscribe i'm sorry they're out of here yeah they can't be a member of the crew i love it <clears throat> walk the plane makes me like literally heated it exactly walk the plank and don't ever go deal with it okay so there's another egg called the love trophies egg it has a miniature of the imperial children that is missing and then there's a diamond necklace in the rose trellis egg for alex Oh, it has a medallion of Alex in the middle of it with diamonds around it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I kind of understand why those are missing because she probably would wear that yeah. on the yeah. reg. I mean, I would. The um, surprises that aren't like personal and wearable kind of make more sense to be missing. Yeah. I think that we have gone through all of the information about the Fabergé eggs. And their surprises and their treasures. And what we all need to be looking for. So everyone, this is your, what would you call it, Kristen? A, um, this is your scavenger hunt challenge. Yes. Your crew manifest. Yes. So you may be wondering why these treasures are missing. Now we're going to shift in to the next absolutely incredible story relating to treasure that really isn't the best treasure to have. Oh, no. Empress Alexandra's grandmother is Queen Victoria. We've talked about this. Yes. Yeah. So who we now know was unfortunately the source for what was referred to at the time as the royal disease and looking to history and after actual dna tests 
we now know that the royal disease was obviously hemophilia. And it was actually a form of the more rare type, which is type B. Mm. And for all of you who do not know what hemophilia is, from the Oxford Dictionary, hemophilia is a medical condition in which the ability of the blood to clot is severely reduced causing the sufferer to bleed severely from even the slightest injury. Oh my goodness. When this was going on, no one knew what the heck was going on. You know, like they were... That must have been so scary. Oh my God. Terrifying. I mean, scary anyway nowadays. I know. But can you imagine like having zero modern medicine and yeah. Exactly. And okay, so this certain, I don't know if it's the other type of hemophilia as well, but this only presents in boys, but it can be passed down by girls. And I actually have a flow chart for you that you can look at. Um it's okay. number 18. Oh, wow. Queen Victoria had nine children, but only three passed down or had the hemophilia, like gene. Okay. Which is weird. That is bizarre. And how many sons did Queen Victoria had? Did Queen Victoria have? She Sorry. had, I think that she had four. And the last one that she had was extremely affected by it wow she did not obviously know and or care what was going on but she was extremely hateful to him he would have trouble walking up the stairs and she would write to people that he is the most like she used the words squirrely (laughs) things like that like he's the most that's what she said. She was like, he's the most squirrely and unappealing child that I've ever seen. And I'm like, he's literally bleeding from the inside of his body out. So, like, literally take a break, queen. You dick. God, I cannot take that. Oh, Kristen, I'm serious. How could you act like that towards your own child? Like, no. come on. No, I know. I know. I know. Ugh. When I was reading up on her one time about, yeah, we're not going to get into it. But this is interesting Jeez. that only three out of the nine, especially if boys are the ones that can get it, like the rest of them weren't affected. But Prince, it looks like Prince Leopold in the chart Duke of Albany, extremely – did he die from it or did he live, yes. you know, into old Eventually, age, you know? yes. He died. He eventually okay. died okay. from it. And um, But if you look down more in the chart, it looks like – Yes. So all of the ones in red, obviously these aren't all of their children, oh. but all of the boys that they have in red are affected. Obviously, we will also post this on our Instagram so it looks like generationally it gets almost worse yeah it gets worse wow and that might be because i'm not saying anything but that might be because you know they're marrying their second cousins to their third cousins i'm just saying they had the same yeah. blood like is that called I think it's the bottlenecking effect. Bottlenecking. I've never heard that. I feel like it definitely could have been 
a factor in why it seems like more of them got it. Mm. But it was known as the royal disease. Yeah. Okay. So this says the an example refers to the way from Science Direct. Com. The bottleneck effect refers to the way in which a reduction and subsequent increase in a population's size affects the distribution of genetic variation among its individuals. So I think yes, if the population I, grows, but there's less, even though the population's growing, like their descendants or whatever, the genetic variation, it's not, you're like increasing your chance for these types of diseases and things. Yes, they're growing their population by mating with people who are very close to their bloodline. Like, that is just absolutely, mm. it's it's just a lot. And I think that that's probably why this disease got compounded. And we do see a lot of the royal boys having this disease now known as hemophilia, disastrously and sadly, Emperor Nicholas II and Empress Alexandra, they had five children. This is not sad. But um, they had Olga, Tatiana, Maria, Anastasia, and Alexei. And Alexei was their only son, who they prayed and hoped for for years and years and years. Because as everyone knows, the only way to make your reign continue is to have a boy, which is ridiculous. But anyways, and here's a photo of them, Kristen. You, these are like the prettiest people I've ever seen. I love them. Oh, they are beautiful. Wow. Especially. So is that beautiful. Olga on the left or is she one of the ones in the back, do you think? I can't tell between Olga and Tatiana, but. Anastasia is the smallest girl, and then Maria is like a little bit uh, bigger Over than her. The and then, but okay. obviously, Alexei, their son, is the boy. And, and he quite has sadly, this disease. he has hemophilia he and he has it bad. <sighs> obviously, then they did not know what hemophilia was. And this basically totally freaked out the emperor and the empress. Especially the Empress, she was freaking out. Like, she was a really good mom, and she loved her kids, and she was just like... No. I, I mean, I can't imagine what she was going through and not knowing yeah. any way to make it better. You know, like, especially yeah. being the Empress, you're like, I should be able to do whatever needs to happen to make this not happen. Like, ugh. It just, ugh, I can't imagine. Not having any information about this disease and having it inflict upon their one and only son and heir to the Russian throne must have also been terrifying because then they know that the throne is not secure and it really made both the emperor and the empress isolate from their people. Mm. Then when they did that, it freaked the people out. 
So then the people were like, where are our emperor and empress? So Alexandra and Nicholas were trying to keep this a secret from everybody. Nobody wanted anybody to know the future heir to the Russian crown was obviously very sick like literally could not do anything if he literally hit his leg on like a door or something he might have lost his life and this happened multiple times so the Tsarina was a really spiritual person and at this point she had no other way to turn she found herself in the presence of Rasputin Mm. who we hate (laughs) uh, was a strange treasure in and of himself so a summary of Rasputin he was a roaming alcoholic sociopathic narcissist (laughs) slash spiritual guide I quote from SpartacusEducational.com, This charlatan and hypnotist had wormed himself into the Tsar's palace and gradually acquired a limitless power over the hysterical empress. And through her reign of the sovereign, Rasputin's proximity to the Tsar and family proved fatal to the dynasty. For no political criticism can harm the prestige of of the czars so effectively as the personal weakness, vice, or debasement of the members of the royal house. Mm. So he was able to walk into St. Petersburg and just climb the to the top, yep. be with the royal family, all the way to the Tsarina. Because, and honestly, I don't blame her. I'm sorry. Like, if something like was happening to for your child, anything. Yeah. Exactly. You would do anything to make them better. And I can't if I don't even want to imagine that. Someone was helping to make them better, I would literally pour everything that I had into this person. Yeah, and I feel like he intentionally it sounds like he was just conniving and in order to climb his way to the top, it's like Oh, obviously. A mother will do anything for her children. Let's kind of exploit this in a very sneaky way. And there he is in the midst of their family. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. But this is the weird part. Rasputin was actually able to help Alexei multiple times, like actually survive. Wow. There are disputes about how this even happened, about how he knew kind of what to do. And one of the like the best documentation we have is from the worst bout of hemophilia that Alexei had. And this was later on in the relationship of Rasputin and the the czar and the czarina. And Rasputin had actually been kicked out of the palace, never to return Mm. again. Alexei had been steadily bleeding for days. He was literally on the brink of passing on. And without alerting her husband, Nicholas, the Empress Alexandra wrote to Rasputin and basically was like, please help me. 
she told him everything that was going on. He's super sick. Maybe this is because we cast you out. We're so sorry. Please come and help. And he wrote a letter back (gasps) that basically said, Alexandra, cast the doctors out of this room. Alexi doesn't need them. Don't let them bother him so much. And I quote, leave him alone. (laughs) So this is so interesting, though, because at that time, all the doctors were doing was giving him aspirin because he was in so much pain. Oh, my But aspirin is a blood thinner. And also killing him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Making him just bleed out from just everything. So right when the Tsarina received this note, she was like, everyone out of here, just leave him alone. And he healed within days. And she was like, okay. (laughs) He's back in. He is literally everything to me right now. Like, I would do the same thing. Gosh. Okay, so there is also another picture for you, and this is Rasputin and the family. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. He looks... Do you see it with those eyes? like a wandering sociopathic alcoholic. (sighs) And look at the poor mom. But... I know, she just looks She does. And then sweet little Alexi, though... Is right next to Rasputin, though. He's probably like, you're my best friend. That makes me so sad, though. Poor little thing was probably, they were probably, I don't know. I just feel like back then they didn't have as much consideration for kids' feelings and stuff, like the things they hear and how it'll, like, scar them for the rest of their life. So they're probably like, he's going to be dead before morning. And he's like, I can hear you. Yeah. So he's just like. (laughs) And he's like, I'm not dead yet. (laughs) I don't know. Poor little thing. I think though back up here in the in the family tree it looks like he only lived does that say 1904 to 1918? Yeah. Which is really sad. When you were talking about how sad it is that you know they had Rasputin I was like well think about Prince Leopold who was Queen Victoria's son who had hemophilia and was literally just like Yeah. She literally called him <laughs> like really idiot. Just <laughs> terrible names was literally awful. And his BFF in the whole entire world was Princess Alice, actually. Oh. And when Queen Victoria actually figured out that Princess Alice and Prince Leopold were like actually really close, like when they were young, she wouldn't let them go into each other's sitting rooms, which is. I know. I don't know what a sitting room is. Like, I don't know why one would have that for each child, but whatever. But yeah, apparently, like, they weren't allowed to communicate at all just because they gave each other comfort. Like, she was the worst person in the entire world. Like, at least Zarina Alexandra, like, cared about her son to the point where she would bring in some sort of roaming sociopath. I mean, there's there's really uh, there's really nothing else to say about that. Like she yeah. she did the best that she could. And I really 
I really like her for that. Okay. Okay. So none of the public knew about Alexi's Mm -hmm. illness, his hemophilia, at all. And this was a really big deal. People didn't know what was going on. They were confused. They did not know why Rasputin, this literal asshole, was like all up in the castle with the czar and the czarina like chilling because he had unpaid debts all around town. He gave many women syphilis. Um, (laughs) He was just like a general uh, bad person in the town. And they're like, okay, well, he must have cast a spell on the czar and the czarina, which I honestly still kind of feel like that makes sense. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm being so serious. I'm trying to be serious, but this is a crazy story. Um, I'm so glad you enjoyed that so much because it is so true. I thought you were going to okay, say he so, gave many women, like, I don't know, like, conned them into buying, like, love potion. And you're like, he gave many women <laughs> syphilis. <laughs> he did. It's true. He, he like, brought syphilis into St. Petersburg. Like, oh he was, God. like. Uh, like patient number one or zero, whatever. Yeah, he was not a great person. And also he looks like a psychopath as well, um, which doesn't help. Anyways, so um, so the people did not like how this was going. And they got enough hype behind them and they decided to overthrow the Russian imperial court. And this led to the stealing and moving of the eggs. Oh, my goodness. This is how we lost the eggs. Bad. This is a bad situation. But the entire family was held hostage for years and then ultimately murdered by this revolution by the Bolshevik which is like another party in the Russian world. And that really sucks. I really don't want to get into their murders because Kristen and I have decided that we don't do that here. No, it is, especially after all this time investing in like their love and just, I mean, any, any murder obviously is sad, but it's heart. But like looking into their life a little bit more. just (laughs) This one is kind of more sad. Mm -hmm. So uh. you're right. <laughs> like, ugh. okay, but so this is just kind of the last part of our story, which is a story that definitely shaped my childhood. And I'm pretty sure Kristen's childhood. So, Kristen, can you move to the next? Okay, Rasputin, go away. Oh, Anastasia. Yes. Is this a video? Yes, it is. <laughs> Yes. This is a video of Anastasia, which is what introduced most of our 90s lives to this story. And it's so interesting to see how they kind of play it. So please play it. Please watch it. I am adding it to the stream because at this point, this is necessary. We all deserve this. I just, that song, oh, so good. 
Dancing bears painted wings. Oh, so I know. Good. And I like her grandmother giving her this like music box is like. It's also like kind of like the eggs. 100% it looks exactly like the eggs to me. <gasps> what Kristen is watching right now and I am watching as well is the opening scene of the movie Anastasia, which kind of lays out the pretty accurately the story that after everything happened was put out to the general public like that it was Rasputin, this evil, evil man who said, I'm going to bring down this whole thing. But that's not what happened at all. I can't believe that that got like gained so much ground. And I also can't believe that. So this story of Anastasia in 1916, the grandmother just said, um, but didn't World War I end in 1918? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of weird that like this normalcy of life was happening for them, even though there was like that war happening. But I guess all the turmoil in the world would have made it easier for an overthrow to happen, like with just the whole world feeling this unstable footing. Oh, the music box. Yes, they definitely felt the effect of, you know, of the war going on, but in so in 1917 i have written down that they overthrew the royal imperial mm. court and i am pretty sure that that is when they imprisoned them the entire royal like the the whole royal family so they had literally no idea what was happening outside of wherever they were kept and the place that they were kept began as the palace and then it went to you know only three floors of the palace and then it went to two floors of the palace it went to one room of the palace and then they moved to another palace and went to the basement of the palace and they were kept there for wow. years like they were kept in this type of isolation for years and they were murdered by not Rasputin, but people who were overthrowing the government. And we're not getting into that. We already talked about that. When that was going on, when they were being imprisoned, that was when the eggs got taken and distributed either into people's personal pockets. They were supposed to be written down. That's how these eggs got lost but i even think that the people who took them knew how important they were yeah so it's not like they would throw them away or like their descendants would throw them away i don't know that's why i think that there is a great likelihood that we could find these eggs these surprises all of that. What do you think? Oh, I think it's 1,000% likely, especially since one was already found in the States. That gives me hope for even like digging, well, not figuratively digging here. I mean, it they could be anywhere. And then did, wasn't the elephant in England in like just storage? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they could literally be the anywhere. The queen owned it. They could be anywhere. And, it, and the fact that the pedestals, the okay. eggs, the treasures inside, they all get, it's like everything, it's like everything times three, pretty much, the chances of, you know, it being out there. So I do think probably what happened is whoever had these, like you said, it is obvious, 
they probably knew what they had, in other words. And so as it's getting passed down through family generations, because it really hasn't been that many family generations since they went missing. It was like one, two, three, four. We'd be on like five or six now, right? Four, five, or six. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so it's like. I don't really. Yeah, 1888 is the first um, egg that is absolutely missing. Um, or no, but it would be less. Yeah, it would be I like four. I feel like four. most yeah. of these. Yeah, not that long. And most of these eggs, I would think that they would have gone missing together. Like yeah. they had all of them in 1922. I mean, in 1902, they took those pictures. And then in 1922, they have like this list of all the eggs. It's handwritten. It's hard to read. But they have a list. These were like known then, like where they were, what they were, everything like that. So they're we could find these. I think that they're definitely yeah. still out there. I do not think that this is something that someone would destroy or anything like that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like I, my great grandmother passed away when I was in college. So we could have easily, like say she had the eggs. She could have easily told my, my grandparents, my mom, even me, like herself told me what these eggs were. And that's what I'm saying. I feel like a family has them. She and might it's, have had it's the not eggs. like, Oh, no. It's not like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years <laughs> passed and things just get lost in translation like, oh, we don't – like the importance of them gets lost. I'm like she herself could have told me the significance of them. That's why I feel like somebody – some family probably has them and they don't want to say anything because they want to keep them. Yeah. That's or they don't, they don't even know like they do, or they don't even or yeah. they don't even yeah. know that they have them like yeah. yeah so there could be eggs that people literally have in their attics in anywhere like that you know just somewhere that they wouldn't think that there would be an actual faberge egg but who knows yeah there was one found in midwest america trying to get melted down like no it's Gosh, that just makes you sick. I know, but it also makes me so excited. And listen, crew members, we are sailing the ship. We are going full on. We want to hear about if you think you saw one, if you may have a grandparent who has any knowledge of anything about it. Like, we want to know everything. So please reach out to us on our Gmail. Yes. Which is at pod what is it it's a podcast treasure at gmail.com and i have one more treasure to just finish off it's not the anastasia movie but i do think that's a treasure as well there was a long-standing rumor a legend a mystery that anastasia the youngest daughter survived in 1988 a man found a jumble of bones down a mine or no down a um a well like a really deep well and 
these bones turned out to be an actual treasure. Or in 2017, they were identified as the remains of the Tsarina Alexandra Fedorovna and her four daughters, or and her two daughters, and then her other two daughters were found not very far away after they did like ground penetrating radar. So they found all of the girls. They did find some other bones. They're not sure if it is the czar and his son, but that is, that's how our story comes to an end because how else could it really and truly? Gosh, rip our hearts out, Riley. Well, seriously, (laughs) I'm just saying, I am glad we know that Princess Anastasia was not just like roaming out there by herself. It would have been nice if she lived. But um, we we know that all these people who have come forward saying, oh, I'm Princess Anastasia. Liars. No, it's caused so much intrigue and mystery for so long. I find it fascinating. It is. It's so multi-layered. That, I mean, I feel like often when we read history, you forget these people were like real people that thought and talked and had relationships just like we do. And I think that's why it's so sad to me. I just can't even hardly. 100%. I totally agree. I really enjoyed hearing about the eggs. And I think even more than appreciating their design, I just am so glad that I learned about the backstory and like all the planning and the sentimental value that just went into it. It, They were just, it just made them even more amazing. I want one. Well, I am so glad that you feel like that because that is how I felt during it. I was looking at these fabulous eggs with diamonds, like literally glittered and golden and dripping and just Yes. Wealth. (laughs) And the story that meant the most to me was the thought that actually went into making these eggs for, you know, someone that they really loved. And these eggs, I'm just excited to know that, I'm excited to know that they're out here, but I'm even more excited that we know one was found here in the States. I'm like, there's hope for me to go, go to some estate sales and try to I I just I have a I have a gut feeling that it's at an estate sale for some reason. 100%. I totally agree. I mean, we are just in the beginning of finding a ton of treasures and I cannot wait to do this with not only you but our crew and our crewmates. And I think that this is going to be I'm really excited. great. I think I'm also going to scour the internet for um like online Jewelry shop, like pawn, not pawn shops, but uh, places that sell, you know, vintage jewelry and see if I see any matching ruby rings and 100% in the shape of crowns. Yes. Crowns, necklaces. We have an emerald one we're also looking for. Um, I will definitely post the entire list of the missing things we're looking for on wherever you want to look um instagram you know i'll try twitter and um yeah Kristen, uh thank you so much for listening to my long story yeah i really really enjoyed 
today, Riley, and loved thinking about all those old memories. Um, these pictures just, I feel like my descriptions of it just don't do it justice. So listeners, be sure to check out these pictures on Instagram. Find us at Treasure Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, facts, or leads on treasure, send us an email at apodcasttreasure at gmail.com. Um, we're going to try to keep up with Twitter at the treasure pod. And remember, if you want to send us actual treasure, find us on PayPal at treasure pod. And we really appreciate your booty. <laughs> we definitely do. And Kristen, I so appreciate you and all of our listeners. We hope to uh, talk to you soon. And I'm sure that our next treasure is going to be the <laughs> 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 <laughs>